You're listening to the Mother of All Solutions, stories from mums as they navigate their return to work. With me, Laura Broderick. Welcome listeners to Mother of All Solutions Summer 2021 episode. This episode is named The Dads. Um, Today, Mother of All Solutions is focusing on fathers in the parenting journey. Um, So we've got a special episode. It's going to be a similar format to Pregnant Then Screwed, The Motherhood Penalty and How to Fix It, the episode that we recorded recently and brought in different voices from mums about their experiences of work and maternity and parenting. So for this episode with the dads, we're focusing our conversation again around a book. This time, the book is Dad, Untold Stories of Fatherhood, Love, Mental Health and Masculinity. And this book recently came out through Music Football Fatherhood and has been curated by Elliot Ray. So the book itself is a collection of stories from different dads in the network of Music Football Fatherhood. And what we've done for this episode and you're going to listen to today is a conversation between myself as your host, Laura Broderick, and my friend Will Blatherwick about the book, but also weaving in some notes and audio recordings from dads who've read the book also. And we'll have a conversation around the themes, the topics, our responses to hearing the stories through this book and thinking about the dads in general and how parents, fathers are working together to do the right thing by their kids and the right things around work and making decisions within their family lives. So that's the basis of the episode. Really hope you enjoy it. But before we get started, I wanted to recommend another podcast. Um, Recently, I've been listening to History Storytime and it won a silver award in the Great British Podcast Award. So congratulations to them. This fantastic podcast has been recorded by a dad with the input of his two daughters so it's a really lovely way of engaging with topics of history there's some fab sound effects some really good topics and some voices from a dad and daughters together if you're a history person like my colleague my friend will who's going to be talking to me today is it's great and if you're not and you're just interested in getting your kids into topics it's a really fun and engaging way to do that so I would really recommend listening to that and there's a recent episode all about the history of the Olympics which is obviously topical as we've just come out of the Olympics uh, watching period so that might be something fun for you and your kids to listen to at home or on a car journey so I would recommend downloading it And congratulations again for them winning their award. Back to the dad's episode that we're recording today. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about music football fatherhood. And then I'm going to introduce my friend and co-host for this episode, Will. And then we'll start the conversation about the book. So Music Football Fatherhood um, and Elliot Ray, together they are champions of equal parenting, supporting working fathers and working towards gender equality. So that to me really intrigued me. I was like, I want to hear from these dads. These dads sound like a good group to get a voice from. So the book itself, and I'll put the links in the show notes about the book. um, I just want to kind of start off with something that Elliot wrote in the introduction before we talk about the different experiences and the narratives that come through. So, remember this is a dads-focused forum and a dads-focused podcast um, for today. Women still do the large majority of childcare and have paid the price in the pandemic with mothers being more likely than fathers to be furloughed and at a higher risk of job losses. 
as a collective, we need to do more to challenge gender parenting roles. We need to make sure our workplaces are inclusive, both fathers and mothers are considered when policies are developed and that both parents have the option to live and work in a way that best suits their families. We need to move away from the concept that caring is for women and being the main breadwinner is for the men. Those outdated stereotypes are damaging for everyone, men, women and children. So I just wanted to read that from the intro section just to set the scene of potentially where the group Music Football Father Music Football Fatherhood are coming from and Elliot Ray as the curator and uh, the founder of the group what perspective he's trying to bring. So that was just to set the scene a little bit and it was also quite interesting for me to read it because obviously the podcast I have mainly focused on experiences of mothers and women in this conversation. So it should be a good one to to focus on going forward. So without further ado, um, let's get started. Let's get chatting to Will. Will, would you like to introduce yourself and tell our listeners a bit about you? Hi, Laura. Um, I'm Will Blatherwick and I'm a history teacher who lives in Essex, uh, but teaches in London. And I've got two children. So I've got Ivo, who is five, who's just going to start in year one next year. And Beatrix is two, who's still in nursery. Um, I'm married to Ellie, who's a marketing director. And we are just people who are trying to go through the model and roller coaster of parenthood. <laughs> yeah, and I think you're um, navigating it really well, Will, but obviously you're also open to honest conversations, which is why I wanted to talk to you today, because I think you're a great family unit and a fantastic person, but also someone who's willing to, to talk about these things. So um, I invited you to be my guest. And just to set the scene, we had worked together, what, maybe 10 years ago, was it? 10 years ago? Blimey. Well, yes. <laughs> yeah, maybe about 10 years ago. Um, and it was for a relatively short period. Um, that's a whole other podcast. Um, but it was a good phase and we became friends. And I think actually seeing you become a dad um, a little bit after I became a mum was quite interesting to sort of see how you and Ellie together have, you know, navigated some of your parenting decisions. And I think as we talk about the book, it'd be interesting to get your response on different perspectives um because obviously we all do things differently and I think that intro from Elliot Ray about making space for families of different setups and shapes and perspectives is what we need so yeah anyhow I'm waffling a little bit so (laughs) now Will just to bring it back to the book and the group that have put this book together Music Football Fatherhood I want to know from you, so our listeners can get to know you a bit better, what does that mean to you? What do those three things mean to you? Tell us a bit about yourself. Well, I was slightly, I don't know, depressed in the fact that so much of my life could be summed up in just three words of music, <laughs> football and fatherhood. But they really can, and it's very accurate. Um, so music-wise, um, I've always been um, very much into music, very much yeah. uh, quite opinionated in my music taste. Good. Um, and so... Um, when I was growing up, I used to have a Saturday job and in a time of CDs, all I spent my money on was CDs. And I have this <laughs> ridiculous collection now that Ellie wants to uh, get rid of in the age of Spotify, but I'm clinging on to for some vague reason. Yeah, we've um, got a few cardboard boxes of CDs as well. Yeah, mm. um, <laughs> But it, it, it's, it's just an important, it's, it's a, the, the soundtrack of my life. There's a, there's a muse, there's a, there's a, there's a CD, there's a song for every occasion. Aww. And I... 
irritate people by constantly um, shift living to try and find that one for the perfect moment. Um, <laughs> football wise, um, I am a supporter of a really quite dreadful football team who are Nottingham Forest, um, who have really achieved nothing in the time that I have supported them. Um, but as this pain was inflicted on me by my own father, I remember. Mm. Um, I am very keen to also inflict this upon Ivo, uh, on Beatrix potentially. Um, so at the moment, Ivo is going to Little Kickers football class in yeah, Essex, yeah. and he is proud in his forest shirt, or rather, his father is proud in his forest <laughs> shirt because he has no idea what a forest is. But his forest is he is surrounded by Arsenal and Spurs shirts, who might give him a better avenue to happiness. But I am going to cruelly deny this to to them as I force this unhappy football club upon them. They will, uh, they will cherish it, I'm sure will. Mm. And in terms of fatherhood, um, it's such an important part of my life. It is the thing which drives the really the highs, the, the achievements, um, but also you know, the very tiring lows. Is there a sound worse than squabbling on the back seat of a car? I'm not oh. sure that there is. Oh. Yeah, just squabbling anywhere, I think, Will. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but they, it is so important and it is add such an extra dimension to my life and we do the best that we can yeah no that's so that's such a good way to get to know you better and when I asked you to come on to the podcast for this conversation around the book I knew in terms of parenting you would be a good fit but I also thought music football fatherhood all three things were a good fit for you and um we're not going to talk a lot about the music and football but we are going to use it as a way to get to know the other dads who um are contributing audio notes as well um I think there might be an Arsenal and a Man U supporter in them but in terms of the book Will um we have read the book start by listening to our first clip from one of our participants from David and then we'll have a conversation after that does that sound okay Perfect. Perfect. So we'll play David's clip. Hi, my name's David Omani. I am an actor and a director, voiceover artist, and just all around general creative. Um, I live in West London with my wife, Ali, and our little baby girl, Isla. Music football fatherhood. Oh. Music football fatherhood to me is everything everything it's so difficult to pin down um i'm massively into my music my cinema um every so often i'm surprisingly into sports i don't really feel like i have the time to dedicate to it um but yeah i i get um nostalgically passionate about sports um like football games that i watched as a kid and the reasons why i support arsenal and things like that whereas um you know, knowing exactly who, who who's playing for who and how much they got transferred for is is kind of out of my realms of uh, of time. But but yeah, music, art, anything kind of creative. I have to say, I, I'm not a I'm not a big reader. But when Laura asked me to read this book, I I was intrigued, and I have to say, I, I couldn't really put it down. It was it was remarkable. It, um, it made me feel hopeful. I think hope was the the one word that really popped into my head um, over and over again. Hearing these gentlemen talk about their their experiences and being so honest and so funny and so 
uh, vulnerable, I guess, was really inspiring. And I'm, I'm so grateful to Elliot and, and all the contributing dads um, for, yeah, kind of opening themselves up to, to, to tell their story and share it with us. And uh, yeah, it was, it was really, it made me feel really hopeful, um, hopeful for my own story and hopeful for future generations of father figures who are, will be dealing with a, a whole plethora of different challenges and and this is really inspirational um and yeah i'm really really grateful for elliot uh putting this together there was a couple of really standout sections i have to say i found myself uh welling up and reminiscing about um our own uh kind of birth and early early uh early fatherhood experience reading um elliot's story um we had not so much of a traumatic birth on the on the day um but we had a f- uh, a fair few challenges leading up to it um and yeah i really felt a kind of kinship um with him and and a few of the other stories were were really were really inspirational as well so that was david um so david's we're going to hear from him later on in the episode but in terms of just his initial take on the book and his understanding of it and relationships to the stories let's have a quick chat around that will um i mean anything similar to to sort of david's initial response from you with regards to the book and what the book as a whole as a collective meant yeah absolutely um i have to say i really enjoyed the book in and many of what david said i agree with in the sense Mm. that um my wife has kind of follows mummy Instagram and mummy Twitter. And as a result, there are lots of voices that she hears um, yeah. and really valid voices and really in- about the experience of motherhood. Yeah. Um, but I have to say it's well, the first time I've really been able to see the ideas of fatherhood being articulated um, mm. in, in a similar vein. And oh, through the, div- the diverse voices um, mm. across the book, um, I have to say I agree with David in the way that they, you know, enjoyed hearing other people opening up about the about the highs and lows of of fatherhood, mm-hmm. um, and the idea of the just the different well the differences in experience, but also the the commonality that that yeah. fits and interchanges between them. No, I mean th- that's fantastic to know that you enjoyed the book, and I also enjoyed the book, um. I just hadn't realised because I haven't delved enough into it that the sort of forums around fatherhood have been quite lacking really, you know, that actually this has opened up something quite special in a collection of stories that you can relate to. I mean, something I actually felt I could relate to it more than I'd thought I would. I was like, oh, you know, I do have male friends, not as many male friends as female friends, um, but I do have, you know, a handful of male friends that I understand their experience of parenting through like yourself and others but not as many so I was like oh am I gonna kind of get this you know these dad stories are they gonna be like relating to my experience as well and actually there was lots I could relate to and I think that's because of the breadth of and you've mentioned it there the diversity of of voices coming in and as you know David also said in his clip it felt quite hopeful didn't it it did feel like by um, yes absolutely um it's it's no one failing at the project it's people yeah. doing the doing the best that they can yeah and yeah. um and you know showing the love that there is for their children um in really quite difficult circumstances at times yeah and there are some 
difficult circumstances in the book. I mean, more so than probably I realised there was going to be because there's lots of topics um, around like miscarriage and death and separation and illness. So there are, you know, things that are potentially like trigger warnings, aren't there? But it's done with sensitivity and um, honesty, um, yeah, which I kind of appreciated. I mean, were there any standout sections for you, Will? Any bits of the book that, or particular stories that you related to that you want to mention now? Um, yeah, absolutely. So um, a couple, really. So just in terms of some of my own reflections on being a father was um, when one of the first chapters they were mentioning on um, a father who felt he was like being too harsh on his son. Mm. And this is something which I kind of... I feel a little bit afraid of it to a certain extent because yeah. sometimes I feel that my role as of being a teacher sometimes then gets crossed over and pushed over into being a father as well, whereby yeah. I, I find myself telling off and I'm realising that that's not my space or my role. Um, yeah. And there's definitely, you know, there's the idea of giving people freedom to fail. Um, yeah. And just because you you don't want um you 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 do it because you you love your children and you want the best of them and you don't want them to go down the same make the same mistakes that you maybe you did yeah. but equally trying to be forceful or pushing or over or over not aggressive but forceful in, yeah, in your trying trying to trying mm. to keep them on the the path which you think best it's yeah. it can be it can be difficult and you know it's yeah. part of the process of learning to to let go yeah um, yeah yeah and it's interesting how you said your professional perspective has come into your parenting right so like your teacher role that you did for years before you became a parent and now sort of seeing and having to stop that coming into the parenting bit too much um yeah trying to yeah. keep a difference between them and i mean obviously a big yeah. theme of your podcast and obviously the book is the the bleeding in between of work yeah, life and, and yeah. home life yeah. and it's trying to understand the limits that there are and trying yeah. to well, to try and do the best you can in yeah. a way that's not going to mess up your children permanently. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm sure they won't be. I mean, everybody messes up a bit, right? But we we all um, acknowledge that we try our best to fix them times when we do. Um, and, and other bits, Will, other bits of the book that stood out for you? Um, so in chapter 11, there's a chapter about um, a, a chap who had a tough time at work or so, being bullied at work after being a father. Mm. And while I naively don't think I went as far as being bullied at work it certainly was an interesting time or has been mm. an interesting time being a father and seeing how they're seeing the just the difficulty of trying to balance the two really and the mm. then sometimes the lack of flexibility maybe and yeah. I'm sure it's shown to mothers but I felt it directly as a as a father too yeah um yeah. so for instance um when Ivo was born five years ago, um, there was no flexibility really on my kind of paternal leave. So yeah, paternity leave. Yeah. So um, I ended up going back into work uh, the next day after. Oh my goodness, uh, Will! <laughs> after Ivo was born, while Ellie was still in hospital with a C-section, um, oh only for, only a couple of days. But they that was the work showing flexibility to yeah. to be able to negotiate. Um, and ultimately, as well, mm. just the you know the process of um, over the lockdowns of the last year, um, mm. uh, Ellie works as a marketing director, and at the start of the pandemic, it looked like um, potentially her job was going to be um, 
of threat. Mm. Um, and so and this is obviously the, the benefit of being a public servant and, and being a teacher is the sense that um, mine didn't necessarily wasn't mm. under threat in the same way. So we kind of made the decision straight off that I was going to do the, the lockdown childcare and yep. still do yep. my duties at school. Um, but undoubtedly, then my own kind of career um, yeah. suffered somewhat um, yeah. from, when I, from when not being seen as being unavailable. Uh, yeah, yeah. And I just thought that was that, that sense of the... It's hard. You don't want mm. people to give you quarter or give you leniency. Cause, yeah, yeah. But they're also understanding that there is there is difficulties and there's time and you're tired and um yeah trying trying to find the balance between the two is is something which i've really struggled with especially then just with work um mm. just not showing that flexibility and just leaving yeah, you yeah. in a sense of kind of with a sense of vulnerability perhaps i mean that's yeah well i'm i'm really sorry that that's how it's been and i'm sure a lot of parents listening to this mums or dads you know, will empathise and have had similar sorts of experiences of trying to juggle everything in this, you know, past period of the pandemic. Well, it's not even past, is it? This uh, period that we've we've been through and are still in, you know, just that juggle and, as you say, not being seen as lesser at your work when you're trying to do everything at home with the kids at home even more so than normal and I mean it, there's been a lot of pressure on us right I mean and if if you've sort of suffered through that then I'm sorry to hear that but um I think the fact that we're able to talk about it as friends but able to talk about it through this podcast is really good because I think mothers and fathers have felt that um and, and, and the you... book um, does end with elements of hope in the sense that yeah. know, it, it it changes and he, the situation ends for him and he moves on yeah. to another job and you know one which is more supportive. So it's clearly it's yeah. not that it's that it's universal. No, no, no. It's yeah. It's it's not. But it needs to be acknowledged that a lot of people are going through it, right? And this chapter I I also enjoyed as well. Um, I mean, it's called Just Man Up. It was a good good name uh, for the chapter. I'm going to read a few little bits out of it, if that's all right. Um, here we go. So he's talking about uh, coming home from the hospital with a new baby, I think. This is the context. So um, I can't stress how important it is that you are supported by your workplace at such a life-changing moment as becoming a dad. Work-life balance is already hard to achieve at the best of times, but when you suddenly have such huge additional responsibilities at home, as well as no sleep, being made to feel supported by your colleagues and employer is vital. This is even more so when it is your first child and you have little to no idea what you are doing. I mean, it's very Amen similar. Amen to that. Amen to I mean, That's exactly what you just said, really. Um, and then he goes on later in the story. I was also so tired and I really struggled to deal with it. Mentally and physically, I was drained from struggling as a new parent on five hours of broken sleep, but also from the stress at work, from the 16-hour days and the constant bullying. I couldn't think straight and was overwhelmed. I just focused on surviving this four-month project. So he'd had like a change in his work situation, but as you say, well, it kind of got better at the end and he found like a new path, which was really good. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, for, for this particular podcast, I think that, that chapter you've picked out was you know very relevant um yeah I mean it's hopefully and hopefully you're 
on the up as well. I mean, we've messaged obviously pre doing this podcast recording because I was having a bit of a reset of my own and thinking about my job situation and you were going through through that as well. And as you say, it's it's not universal. There are lots of people out there who've got empathy around what working parents have been doing for the past year and a half, it, you know, harder than normal. Um, so it's, you know, there is hope, but we also, I think, reading stories like that and hearing your take on it shows that we need to be mindful of it and keep being mindful of it well that's my take on it of course (laughs) yeah okay well let's move on and listen to our second participant from from tim and then we'll have a chat after we've heard tim's clip my name's tim i'm a housing manager for a housing association based in belfast and my family is myself my wife leila my three kids, Elias, who's nine, Amaya, who's six, and Talia, who's two, and our cat, Luna. Music, football, fatherhood for me would be, maybe go with the frames. We're going to see Glenn Hunter soon, and um, we'll, I'll go with that. Um, football, Scotty Manchester United, I'm a lifelong fan, and uh, yeah, Elias, my son, is as well, and, and, the, and the girls are, 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 are getting there as well. And then, um, in terms of fatherhood, I think my one key word is I'm trying my best, trying. My wife would probably say I'm trying, uh, and, and hopefully my kids would say, yeah, he, do, he does try his best. Some of the stories I really did relate to, you know, and, and saw, um, you know, myself in some of the stories and, and could really, um, you know, they, they helped me reflect on, on experiences I had before. But even the stories that were completely alien to me in terms of my experiences were, were helpful because when you take them on the round, you realise that, you know, we're, we're all dads and, and, you know, no matter what choices or circumstances we've, we've, we've come through, you know, the fact of the matter is, is that, you know, there's something there that we're all grappling with and, and, and trying to do our best with and... You know that's that that's it. You know, and, and and I think it's about maybe the importance of us kind of getting to a space where, where we are all relating to each other, despite the radical differences in what our experiences have been. The standout section for me was was absolutely that uh, concept of you know the parents on the race track and and the children in the meadow, uh, in, in one of the stories, and I think it was just it just really hit me because I feel so often, you know, my life is like a racetrack or I'm on a racetrack and, you know, it's about trying to keep the kids in the meadow and trying to, you know, create as good a life and and, and childhood for the kids as possible. And I guess my reflection on it is actually, you know, what do the kids really want? You know, they really want you to be standing there and playing with them in the meadow with them as opposed to, you know, running around and spending your, your time working, spending your time, you know, maybe spending your time trying to get them there kind of to where they need to be and, and doing all that. But, but, but actually, you know, what the kids want most best for, for us all is actually, you know, that quality time together. And, and, and that's, that, that can be a hard reflection because you realise that you're making mistakes as, as much as, you know, a reflection is important in terms of, you know, helping you think about how you can change and, and make things better for for your family life um it's so difficult to get that balance right um 
and and I just think it's it's a real challenge for for me, and I'm sure it's a challenge for for all dads who who want to kind of provide for the family. And I think you know that provision for the family and and that burden that sometimes you know rightly or wrongly, and, and there's a massive conversation that can be had. I certainly feel it, and there's no point in me saying, "Oh well, you know, I, I, I don't feel it. I do feel it," and 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 that's that's part of that challenge, and and that's part of what puts you on that racetrack. And um, maybe it's our own warped sense of what we should be doing as dads. Um, but but that's that's that, that's that uh, tension. You know, the fact that we end up putting ourselves on a racetrack whenever it's better for us, better for our kids, better for everyone's mental health, if we actually spend that bit more time in the meadow. I know Tim through through my brother John and it was really nice to have his contribution to this so Will I don't know what you know what did you make of Tim's thoughts on the book and his experiences um so the chapter which Tim referenced that it's it's called um being oh it's being your children are your friends your children are your friends that's it yeah um which was a title for a chapter which I um, at first, I thought, oh, I'm not going to like this chapter mm. because I kind of, in my head, saw the idea of being a child and a, and, and a, a parent and a friend as being different things. Mm. But um, I have to say, I very much um, agreed with Tim in the, his appreciation of the analysis on yeah. the idea of the meadow and the races. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because Ellie and myself, uh, we both work full time and. Yeah. It is that constant, that hecticness, um, yeah. pushing you forward, and the idea of trying to keep your children in the meadow, and sometimes maybe acknowledging that it's that we need to do potentially more. So, kind of this, it chimed in with me. Um, there's an earlier section in the book where there's a, um, a really sad chapter, and made me cry mm. actually, where someone's uh, wife died just afterwards, but they were mm. saying uh, after birth. But they were saying that one, how um, they really were planning to reassess their lives about trying to redevelop the sense of work-life balance. Yeah, yeah. Um, Especially with that idea. I mean, and they weren't linked, obviously, but it really chimed with the idea of the, the meadow and the, and the race course. And mm. it's made me and Ellie begin to have start to have those conversations oh, about okay. whether we think that we are doing the right thing in just... just we're trying to we, we provide for our children in terms of we pick them up we give them feed that we feed them we clothe them but are we giving them enough space um in the meadow yeah uh, oh yeah i know it's so hard isn't it um sorry will um, t- tell me about your meadow tell me about <laughs> or your children's meadow <laughs> even if it's not nottingham forest right this... <laughs> um so the 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 meadow whereby it's fine mm. to play it's yeah. it's fine to mess around and it's not just the process of keeping the kids alive which is yeah, sounds a terrible yeah. thing but giving them a space for them to um for, so for example for Ivo's homework um mm. uh, homeschooling during lockdown was really hard and tough yeah, uh, yeah. and Ellie and I split that load um Ellie took more of it because I was teaching but yeah it was really impressive how um, he, we watched him come on with that yeah. extra time and attention that we were giving him, and the he 
his speech became better, his writing became better, his numbers became better, and yeah. that was a direct impact of us spending time with him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and thus, when we've kind of gone back to a semblance of normal with him back at school, um, and the 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 hecticness of of work, we mm. are feeling like we're missing that time, that nurturing mm. time, where it's not just about mm. work, but giving him time to colouring and to tell us about what the dinosaurs that he's learned about today, obsessed yeah. with dinosaurs. Oh, um, yeah. And same with, same with B, really, just, mm. just having that, that time where it's, it's open and it's free and we can do dressing up or playing cars. She loves doing role play stuff. And yeah. so there are times when, in our lives when we pick them up from nursery uh, at half five and that gives us uh, an hour and a half to get them home through the bath bedtime story rushed and then yeah. we, we get on with our lives yeah um, yeah yeah and oh. is, is is that is that the right is that the right thing um oh it's what goodness. we it's what it's what we do at the moment mm. um but maybe it's time to start trying to think about where our priorities lie Oh my goodness, these are such big things, aren't they? I don't even know where to start because once you get me started on these topics, I could talk for hours. So, I, oh my goodness, yeah, yeah. I mean, the there was the stress of homeschooling, which we, you know, all felt, and you know, as you say, what regardless of your situation, like whatever job you were in, like I mean, some people still have, as you had to go to work, and you as a teacher would have done. Lots of people like myself couldn't be furloughed. Um, so we're still working, but working from home, you know, there's loads of things, stresses with it, but actually, yeah, knowing what your kids were doing and thinking was really special, wasn't it? And like how to factor that in more, like I know since my daughter's been back at school, um, I mean, her school's great, but also I've missed out on like, so what are your topics? I mean, I like all that stuff. I'm a bit geeky like that. You know, I love all the creative learning and the understanding the topics and... If if we ask Ivo now, what did you do in school? He just says, oh, nothing, or I can't remember. And we previously yeah. knew that because yeah, we were, yeah, were involved yeah. in that. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's hard, isn't it? And yeah. just you know, there is that sense which came in the book whereby you know, if were something to happen, God forbid, then mm. it would, would we feel regret? Probably mm. in terms of how much we're working. And maybe there yeah. needs to be a reassessment of where we are. Can we did with the things which we thought we should do we both yeah, got jobs yeah, we yeah. both worked hard but maybe maybe there needs to be some difference in the space of what we do yeah. um i know and that's that comes we, we, through. no answers yet but it's just difficult questions no 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 i know they are difficult questions and i'm sure you'll get to a good answer for your family um but yeah there was another quote not in this chapter that your children are your friends but i will read out a quote from that that around that you know reflect it was from a dad whose kids were then teenagers or I think one was going off to uni um and sort of like that reflection on looking back at how much time he'd spent at work and was that the right choice on reflection and yeah um and the one of the the bits from the book that Tim referenced and you've uh, picked up on um I'll read it out your work life will eat at your time it did for me future generations will pity us for how much time we spend at work we are all living through a difficult era with working life expanded on the back of key performance indicator email the mobile phone and the dissolution of traditional protections and expectations dads are cheated by this mums are cheated by this children are cheated by this the uk is by no means the worst place in this regard but it is 
far, far from the best. There are better places. The rules in this country are set by the nannied, but ordinary mums and dads have a different equation to solve. Hmm. Is yeah, I mean, I think that's that that is an equation to solve, and obviously you have to reassess it constantly, right? It's not like you get it fixed and it stays fixed, and you know, curveballs of changes and jobs and whatever happens within your personal life and a pandemic, you know, it's all going to like make you have to reevaluate. But I think it's really good that people are opening up and reflecting on that. So should we listen to a bit more from Tim actually? Because I think that's. There's a second clip from Tim that I think is a, a good time to play and then we'll have another chat after we hear from Tim again. Perfect. So we'll play this clip from Tim. Share parental leave. Um, but, you know, obviously that concept of equal parenting is something that you know, is still something that, you know, nine and a half, almost ten years down the line, you know, I'm still thinking about it and I'm sure it's something that, you know, many other people who are, are you know, want to be progressive and want to try and you know be fair in terms of the way tasks are are, are managed in the home and in family life you know it's 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 one of those things that, that can be a challenge um and it's certainly something that, that I wrestle with and you know I just look at my wife and she's something of a nemesis in terms of the amount of stuff that she seems to do for for the family and for the kids as, as a mother um you know, and as a father, I just feel, you know, very often so inadequate compared to, you know, how amazing mothers can be. And, and, and at the same time, I'm thinking, you know, that feels like so much of a cop-out, you know, because, you know, it maybe is. But, you know, I, I, th I think there needs to be so much more, you know, reflection and discussion about how we can kind of really balance that up. There's been a lot of conversation about it in terms of the pandemic, you know, and, and, and kind of parental responsibilities during lockdowns. And I think I think now is the time where there needs to be much more conversation. You know, and, and I think it needs to be fair to me as a father because I throw my hands up and, like, I don't even know what to put my, my finger on in terms of these are the things that need to change. But I just know from my own kind of scenario, from speaking to other dads, you know, that there is there is something there that, you know, does need to be balanced. Um, and... You know, it's it's not about shaming people. Um, it's maybe with me right now, putting my hand in the air and saying, you know what, I haven't got it right, but I'm trying. But there does need to be that conversation about you know, how 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 can how can families rebalance the books, as it were. Um, and I think there's a real opportunity with that now in terms of a lot of you know spending a lot more time working from home and being being more present. But it's about kind of you know how do you manage that time? The work life balance, you know, is is obviously. A, a massive thing and a massive priority in terms of you know the workplace at the moment but how do we kind of kind of move that to a stage where it's it's work-life balance and, and, and the life is is a balance between parents and you know within the family a little chat about shared parental leave and how that could change to be more about equal parental leave and just the balance in households and obviously not every household is the same in this book you know we've got a same-sex couple we've got a single dad you know obviously acknowledging that not every couple although we as the people here today are in a family with a mum and a dad and two kids so in the book I thought I might pick out and then we can chat some more um I really like this one this comes from why we need to better support new dads the plan was, have the baby, 
enjoy a fortnight at home, getting acclimatised to this wonderful new addition to our lives. And then I'd go back to work while Michelle would stay at home, showing the baby off to all her friends, and we'd be the perfect example of the perfect couple. I, I just like that one, because, like, you know, your image of family life and parenting before you have kids. Um, I just that, I kind of enjoyed that one. I thought that might be quite interesting to chat to. And then there was one more I was going to just quickly in practical support and allowed my in-laws to continue the age-old tradition of nurturing a new mother in ways that were meaningful to them. So he'd had, as he said, that meagre two weeks of paternity leave and then the rest of the family stepped into support. So I just think they're both starting points of parenting and setting up setting up the norm for your household and what equal parenting is around work and childcare. So let's just have a little chat about some of those ideas, Will. Um, yeah, tell me so, some more. <laughs> um in many ways, especially with our first child, the first two weeks of kind of paternity leave are, I think they, I mean, obviously they are, they are blissful, kind of happy family time. But for us, it was a kind of a little bit misleading, perhaps, in terms mm-hmm. of what life was going to be like. The, at that time, Ivo was a sleeper in terms of that he slept a lot during the day. So mm-hmm. our, even though the nights were a challenge, it was just a lot of kind of s- slow sofa time. But then that was obviously then then after two weeks, I was back to work. Yeah. And the difficult stages of when after potential leave came from both of our kids. And mm. you know, there was something I remember at the end of the school term, um, coming home from school, probably after maybe six weeks of being off and mm. just feeling so gutted that um, Ivo didn't recognise who I was. So as soon as he went mm. into my arms, despite, you know, in my head, I'm making all these sacrifices, yeah, uh, just, just yeah. bawling for his mum and only would be wanting to be held by his mum. Yeah. And there was this, definitely a sense of kind of bonding, which, which was, was deprived or taken away um, mm. from that process. Um, and it's just, just also just the um, we don't live particularly near any of our family, so yeah, maybe that yeah. that um, Ellie was heroic. She kind of did it a lot by herself and yeah, muddled yeah. through. Um, yeah. And I just um, wish, really, I'd maybe thought or taken paternity leave just because I could have experienced mm. it. But somehow, I don't know, with the pressure of being a teacher with results and exams, yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. I just didn't feel like I could which is strange because obviously yeah. you can, but it, there's obviously something slightly wrong with our society whereby obviously Ellie um, gets paid for and he then stops work for nine months and ten months and then that's mm-hmm. fine, but I, I felt I couldn't give up um, four weeks, yeah, it's which, is, really, which, is, it's which really... is mad when you put it in those terms. I know, it's really complex, isn't it? It's like all these expectations of what we think is the like normal patterns of what how you should do things I mean I remember like with Ro who's now seven and a half and you know Nat's job is quite pressured and works long hours you know like getting to like seven o'clock at night say and he still wasn't and I'd be like watching the Winter Olympics because she was born in 2013 and I'd be like rocking this small baby in my arms like feeling like I'd gone mad because I was just been like home alone with this new baby all day like feeling like I was going absolutely mad Um, and like waiting for him to come in from you know a long hours job and oh my goodness not healthy is it and then but then people who I know more recently who have taken up things like shared parental leave and there's a lot of 
and we'll, we'll not go into it now because I think I've probably gone into it more in other episodes there's issues with shared parental leave which is why there's this sort of shift in language to more like equal parental leave moving forward um but like you know you see and there's stats isn't there that like it's better for everybody if there's more input in the kids lives earlier on and it's better for women's careers um and gives you know the bonding time that you said you maybe missed out on yeah I mean and there is that chapter in the book on shared parental leave what did you make of that chapter um I thought it was interesting it was great if you're interested in parental leave it's very practical it gives some very um straightforward tips about how to approach your employer and and etc and he was in fact a teacher himself yeah he was wasn't he um when he made that decision um I think I think it was interesting um I think the bit in particular which kind of chimed with me a little bit Mm. was again maybe it's about the expectation so one of the benefits of being a teacher myself is that obviously the the famous 13 weeks a year um of holiday um (laughs) but which I use that time to to do parenting but it's the it's the perk of the job it's what the reason yeah. why I stick with it because I really mm. like that time um yeah. but yeah. it is just so true from what he said that there is such low expectations of fathers mm. so people often say oh, how how do you do it yeah. um in a way which I can't see them asking Ellie in the same way how yeah, how yeah, how, how do you do it mm. um but on the flip dads also get praise when they do something really no, cool absolutely. which the which, mum which, wouldn't get the praise for it would just be like yeah which is you... which is mad when, when you put it like that because we, we're essentially trying to do the same job but yeah, the, yeah. The, um and it's just it's mm. it's a strange it's not a strange experience but the when when I'm the only man in the park with mm. with, with the mums or you know it does feel like sometimes you know, you're Kevin from Motherland um yeah in the, that I do TV love Kevin program mm. um I'm I'm not as friendly or happy as him, um, but it's it's just an interesting, it's an interesting dynamic, and it's something which you are, it's something which I really value is that time with my mm. kids, and yeah. it makes me feel um, that we may be doing something wrong as a society that it's just the the, the absence of other men doing it, and yeah. not everyone can be teachers, but the, the the absence is is really true. Yeah, um, I yeah I think I've noticed. I don't know what it's like around your neighborhood but like I've I have noticed there's definitely more men with the prams and the baby carriers and stuff around and about and I don't know if that's just because of people more people working from home or more people actually now taking time off um and I especially people who are like having their first child or have had their first child recently I've seen there's definitely a shift into sort of something that's more I think that's so, so exciting yeah. if that's yeah. taking place and hopefully yeah. stories on the books on dads and sharing these experiences mm. uh, can try and try and change that dynamic um, yeah yeah in, in deepest darkest Essex I haven't noticed that 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 shift is <laughs> as yet, much but, as much yeah but maybe let, let's let's hope it's coming mm. and there's something as well that I think is interesting around that and I, I can't remember if it came through in this book or just other things I've been reading in prep for this book um is that the a lot of dads the barriers to dads getting flexible working or asking for it or taking more leave to do parenting alongside work is that they feel they might not be promoted then or that you know they become a bit more invisible in the workplace and their career might suffer I empathize with that but also that's what women have been going through as mothers for so long you know like you know that motherhood penalty that Jolie Breeley talked about in her book and the episode that we recorded before this one is so strong 
And now the dads are sort of beginning to recognize that because when they're trying to have a bit of balance and a bit of both to help them and their kids and their partners, seeing as well that vulnerability that then seeps into the workplace. We, yeah, I just think it's interesting. I think there's a kind of dynamic going on that's and really it's, interesting. It's, mm. it's really important as well that mm. it's not because that it's not then men, seen as men whinging as well because obviously yeah, yeah. 2,000 years of the patriarchy means that um, really it's time for mothers to have a voice as well. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's, you know, that's why I, I when I read this book and I, I know a little bit about Elliot and the forum, but not a lot, I th- you know, and the bit I read it out at the beginning, like there is that acknowledgement of the women's role has been, you know, been put upon in this, journey in this narrative to date and he acknowledges that at the beginning of the book so the dad's stories aren't to take away from the women's stories it's just to for us to all and what was and I think he ends the book as a kind of reminder that the book was set up as a call to action for more open conversations you know I can't I mean maybe I could influence policy I don't know but you know like the idea of me doing the podcast was to have these conversations opened up and you know people have been willing to do that with me which I really appreciate and you've been willing to open up in the way that these guys have opened up to Elliot through his book and that's hopefully at least building this body of conversation will help us all anyhow (laughs) enough of my soapbox there um so let's move on I think let's hear from David again um David also shares a kind of personal story about what happened not around work although he does talk a little bit about work because David's an actor and obviously a lot of actors lost work um very abruptly and harshly during the pandemic um so he talks about what's happened with him and his family situation so we'll listen to that and then we'll come back together we'll to have a sort of reflection on the book as a whole and yeah and to wrap up the conversation so let's hear from David our story was that um, Isla was born four days before lockdown. Um, so she was born on a Thursday and on the Saturday just before we were, we were leaving because um, my wife had to have a kind of kind of emergency C-section. We, were, we only basically found out about five days before um, she gave birth that she needed a C-section um, due to gestational diabetes and Isla's size and lots of other different factors. Um, and so... Um, yeah, and we had a stark warning from the midwife before he left. She basically said, go home, lock your door, don't see anyone, don't see family. Uh, it, you know, this pandemic, this, this, um, you know, this situation is going to get really bleak. Um, and so we did that and, and we, um, and uh, yeah, it was, you know, we went home having had this beautiful little baby girl, um, uh, you know, being told that the, the outside world was so scary. Um and then three months in, uh, the inside world became incredibly scary because she developed um, some allergies, life-threatening allergies, uh, anaphylactic allergies, and a rare condition called FPIES, which is food protein-induced enterocolitis syndrome, which is basically where she can become uh, allergic to anything. So with every different food, even potatoes or carrots or things like that we have to trial her on them so we give her a small section a small like tip of a teaspoon first and then you kind of build it up and we have to do that with every single uh food um 
And, you know, like I was saying, you know, the outside world was really scary. And then suddenly the inside world was really scary. Um, and she had she had a few kind of reactions that we now realize are reactions. Um, but she had two very major reactions where she um, she kind of, um, yeah, she vomited profusely and then passed out, um, went blue, went limp. And on the first occasion, it was incredibly like heart-stoppingly scary. Um, I remember being sat in in the very room I'm recording now, um, and uh, having her on the. I put her down on the bed, and I was basically pleading with her to to you know wake up, stay awake, and you know, and not leave us. Um, and then a week that was a Friday night, and then a week later, um, she had another episode exactly the same, um, which in a way was actually worse, but then I we knew that um, that reaction could be uh, a kind of anaphylaxis um, or at least a very serious reaction. So we, so I administered the EpiPens, um, which I don't think I'll ever, I'll ever forget. And, and yeah, and, you know, our whole world kind of changed um, knowing that, you know, in the list of, um, the list of things that she's allergic to uh, keeps getting longer and more scary um and the and thankfully the the list of safe foods keeps getting longer and um more palatable so that's that's a good thing but but yeah uh, similar to Elliot I um was I mean they don't really diagnose people in in my in my borough with PTSD um through this service the Richmond Wellbeing Service um but I was diagnosed with uh, PTSD like symptoms and so I did this CBT um cognitive behavioral therapy um to address some of that and that was uh, huge for me and you know it coincided with all this scariness with our daughter a global pandemic that shut down the industry that we were working in i was in uh, mamma mia the west end musical mamma mia um until lockdown um and you know then we all we all lost our jobs for getting on for 18 months um uh, you know, we had a couple of friends, sadly, really, really sadly pass away um, from COVID. And yeah, it, it was it was huge. I couldn't, you know, I couldn't sleep. I couldn't concentrate. Um, I was racked with anxiety. And what was really interesting was, that, you know, I've, I've actually been through some counselling before in my life. Um, and yeah, the, the, the whole mantra of, you know, talking and opening up and, and, and listening and discussing and you know, and and empathising with other with other people who have gone through either similar things or or n- not similar things, but the reactions might be might be uh, similar. And I really feel like with you know with these guys who have contributed to this um, to this book, I feel like I've got some kindred brothers, you know, that have been through trauma and um, have come out the other side, and or at least are on a journey to the other side um and i have the utmost respect and admiration for them uh for putting themselves out there like this it's, it it was uh really brilliant um and i feel like every new dad should listen should should read um this book and listen to their stories david's sharing of of his story with what happened around becoming a dad for the first time um, just as lockdown starting and, you know, having serious um, trauma and concerns around the health of his daughter, Isla. Um, 
which you know comes through in the other stories in the book as well when something's happened to a child and how you as the parent have to to manage that and deal with that so I think the fact that he opened up as well you know shows this opening up of conversations and emotions that's coming through this book through dad has been really positive um and something it looks like people need and want um I mean there's another bit in the book from it's a chapter called stillborn um and he says I get the sense that men in this country at least are getting a bit better at opening up and talking about how they are feeling um do you feel that will like amongst guys you know and um even within your family like yeah, no, you're close to your own dad, aren't you? Do you yeah. Like, yeah. Um, I think it's interesting. So potentially <laughs> a mixture of the two. So yes, on the sometimes it's you kind of want to keep things on the surface as well and talk about football and cinema and yeah. But, but then at the same time, sometimes yeah. and it's as of the odd occasion when it when it does yeah. allow you to talk about some of those wider issues. I do feel that there is you know, a growing sense of openness. Um, yeah. it is just the it's just we need to have Keanu on having conversations like this and yeah. sharing those conversations and being brave with those conversations because yeah. because sometimes it's easier to talk about the disappointing match rather than the disappointing situation at work yeah but, true true and maybe I think... it maybe mm. it's the, those connections which will help us share that share that commonality because mm. that's what I got a sense from the book was that these issues are things which everyone goes through or mm. lots of people go through mm. um but maybe it is a time to try and be more open to mm. discuss them because there is so much in common that people have mm. yeah and that's why like elliot obviously with his forum music football fatherhood you know he's trying to say like dads you can talk about this you say the stresses and the disappointments within the football or the highs of the music but also take that opening and conversation into the fatherhood space as well um yeah so I think it's admirable how he's gone about doing things isn't it and and it's good that Elliot shared his own story in the book I was in I was kind of intrigued to know whether he was going to or not because obviously he calls himself the curator of the book and I was like oh is his voice going to come through and he did share his story and obviously that particular chapter resonated quite a lot with David that's chapter 17 Elliot's chapter which is towards the end um, so no, I think it's it's a great book to have for, for us all to reference. And, you know, thank you to our contributors for this podcast, to David and to Tim, and to the guys that opened up in Elliot's book, um, Dad. And I'll put in the show notes how you might order the book and find out more about the forum. Um, and thank you to you, Will, for, for being my friend and a great dad and for coming on the podcast today. You're most welcome. And I hope you have a fantastic summer holidays with the kids. You know, the squabbling in the car, I'm sure, will happen enough to drive you slightly mental. That's what music's for. That's what music's for, exactly. (laughs) On your drive to Little Kickers. Um, But no, I hope you have a good summer holidays. And I hope um, the autumn brings good stuff for you with work and whatever you and Ellie kind of think about as those bigger decisions you referenced earlier on. And I'm sure um, something great will come next for you all thank you for listening to the mother of all solutions you've been listening to your host laura broderick and my guest today will blatherwick if you've enjoyed this episode please do like and subscribe and if you want to connect there's twitter at solutions mother or email mother of all solutions at gmail.com
and do listen back to past episodes because I think there'll be more for you to enjoy in those. Thanks for listening. Take care. Bye.